I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of La Liga Lowdown, our Match Day 36 recap. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and we've got a variety of contributors coming up as we get stuck into all the storylines from Spain's first division. But first, we learned over the weekend that one of the teams who'll be promoted into La Liga Santander from La Liga Smart Bank is Cadiz. 14 years later, they're back. was the sound of the Cadiz players singing we're going to the first division as they gathered together to watch Real Zaragoza lose to Real Oviedo on Sunday night, a result that mathematically confirmed Cadiz's place back in the top tier. People across Spain are happy for them because this is a well-loved club and people across Spain are happy for the late Michael Robinson. Since Robinson passed away in April, his Liverpool have won the Premier League and his Cadiz have won promotion, sealing it on his birthday in fact. He was a director at the club back in the day and people from across the world of Spanish football were sad that he didn't live to see his Cadiz back in the first division but at the same time everybody knew that he was there in spirit watching on as they finally did it, as they achieved a return to Spain's top flight. Focusing back on the current season, we've got a title race to get excited about in Spain's top division, but it could all be over before the final round. With two match days left, Real Madrid hold a four-point lead over Barcelona. So, as long as they come through the penultimate round with at least a three-point advantage, the title is theirs, since they have the head-to-head tiebreaker. This time around, Real Madrid went away to Granada and scored two really nice first-half goals. A Ferland Mondi goal from an impossible angle and a Karim Benzema strike that started from a lovely Isco back heel. Darwin Machis pulled one back to make it tight at the end, but Real Madrid held on to win 2-1. Let's speak to La Liga Lodan squad member and Real Madrid fan Hassan Karim now about this game. Hassan, this wasn't an easy win for Real Madrid. Was this the game since the restart where they've struggled the most? In terms of what's left, I think this has absolutely been the hardest game that was left on, this, on the calendar. Uh, Granada are where they are for a very good reason. They've been a very, very good side this year. Uh, Throughout the campaign, they've really taken it to all sides. I mean, Barcelona lost here 2-0. 
Atletico were only able to draw here so for Real Madrid to come out with all three points is definitely a massive result for them and it puts them one step closer to the title. There have been so many one-goal victories for Real Madrid. Five of their nine wins since the restart have been by just one goal. This really is the league of grinding it out, isn't it? It's almost seemed like a war of attrition almost. It's a case of who's got the deepest squads and who's able to literally quite last the longest. Um, We've seen how many times have we seen teams where they've gone out and blitzed early but then dropped later in the game because they don't have the resources or the legs to continue pushing through the game. Um, but we're seeing how squads like Real Madrid are deeply, you know, prospering because of the fact they've got such deep-rooted squads. It really helps out, and you know, we're seeing squads like Barcelona who are struggling because they don't have as many options on the bench. Having options and, and also having the endurance to get through that is huge, and I think that's why there's been so many tight games and why it's been quite literally a battle throughout since the restart. Definitely. Having a captain with the energy of Sergio Ramos helps too. And this surely is Ramos's league title if Real Madrid go on to win it, right? Even in this game, he didn't score, but he was so good in defence and he had that goal line clearance. Ramos has been utterly colossus. As you mentioned, the goal line clearance in today's game isn't the only big moment he stepped up for Real Madrid at the back. And it's so blatantly obvious when he's not playing that they really miss his leadership and how he basically controls everything at the back. He's he's so vital. Even going forwards as well, you know, playing his playing the ball out from the back, playing the long balls forward. I mean the fact he's got double digits and goals this season as well. It's just it's insane and the level of consistency is just frightening. It's just uh without him I can't see how Real would be anywhere near the same position as they are now. I mean he's got seven goals in his last twelve games as well, which is incredible. Um, you just you run out of, out of ways to describe him just captain, leader and legend at both ends of the field it's, it's utter madness If Real Madrid win this title then it's also surely because of how many people have been contributing with goals with Mondi scoring it's now 22 different players to have scored this season for Real Madrid Militao is the only outfielder who doesn't have a goal that's crazy it's similar to what we touched on earlier when I mentioned the the depth in squads and Real Madrid having such a deep squad has really benefited them hugely with the ability, the fact that they've got goals coming both on the field and off the bench. It's massively helpful because there's so many teams in the league that don't have that. I mean, you've only got to look at their rivals in Barcelona who really don't have anywhere near the same depth and how much it has hurt them since the restart because they're not able to rotate their team as much. Zidane having so many options is giving him the capability to have so many looks when he comes up against opponents against Valencia and also against Granada today for the start of the game. We saw how he went for that midfielder heavy formation which essentially suffocates the opponent and when it works it's marvellous. But he's also capable of going all guns blazing with the amount of attacking wealth that he's got on the bench. It's not If it's not Hazard, it's Vinicius. If it's not Vinicius, it's Rodrigo. And if it's not Rodrigo, it's Isco. There's so many players on that team that are capable of making a difference and that really is what has separated Real Madrid from the rest of the pack particularly through this restart it's been absolutely massive for them Real Madrid stay four points ahead of Barcelona but Barcelona did win their own game this weekend they defeated Real Valladolid 1-0 thanks to an Arturo Vidal goal let's now speak to our man in Barcelona Roman de Arquer and Roman this made it two 1-0 victories in a row for Barcelona but did they play better in this match against Real Valladolid than they did against Espanyol? 
Not really. It was a very similar performance uh, from Barcelona. I mean, they're still having a tough time finding goals, you know, and generating, as I've said so many times. And it just seems to be a real problem they have. So the Villarreal game was just a one-off. And to be honest, in that second half, you could feel that Barca were a bit tired, I think. You know, there's players uh, which are playing lots of minutes, especially Messi, who hasn't rested at all. And then you can kind of feel Barcelona's squad is a bit short. Uh, the planning in the winter market was terrible, and now we're starting to see the consequences, especially with so many games after another. You mentioned that Messi hasn't rested at all. He and Raul Albiol are the only players to have played every minute since the restart. So, does he need a rest? And when would Setien even be able to give it to him? Absolutely. I mean, I thought that would be the case much sooner on in since returning from this confinement situation. But uh, despite being 33 years old and despite having a couple of injuries at the beginning of the season, um, he's considered he's fit enough to play. And Kike Setien has often talked about hierarchies at the club. And it's clear that Messi's right at the top. So he possibly decides when he wants or when he doesn't want to play. And because he wants to play all the time, well, there you have him, you know. So from now on, with just a few match days left, I honestly don't see much of a point in him resting now because... It's not going to change much. The league is basically over and he'll want to do what he can in on the field to try and help the team fight for the league, even though it's very difficult. And he'll get a few days rest after that to return to the Champions League. So at the moment, I just don't see Leo Messi resting. Even a tired Messi is a super Messi. It's now 20 assists for him this season. That makes him the first player with 20 goals and 20 assists in the same La Liga season. How impressive is that? And... Specifically, just how good was his pass to Arturo Vidal in this match? If there's someone that was going to achieve this uh, incredible stat, it had to be Leo Messi, no doubt, you know. Uh, we've seen that he's an amazing goal scorer, possibly the best or one of the best we've ever seen. And he can also assist, and we were talking about Messi years ago in between fans and you know commenting what's going to happen with Leo Messi when he gets older is he still going to be as good and a lot of people thought that maybe he would adapt into more of a midfield role where he would assist rather than score so many goals and now it seems to be he's finding that kind of balance between the goals and the assists and and what he's done so far is amazing and you're asking about the goal and I have to say that was just another classic Messi pass you know because he's the one capable of seeing uh, the movements from his teammates in the right moment at the right time and just slotted in that pass for Arturo Vidal who just had to finish it off although it has to be said Arturo's shot was great and overall was a wonderful goal from Barcelona. We've learned that Messi won't be assisting Antoine Griezmann anytime soon. He's out injured for the rest of the season and this will be the first time he misses a match with injury since 2017. It really hasn't been a lucky year for Griezmann has it? Fortunately, it's not as bad as it seemed at the beginning, so he will be missing uh, what's left of La Liga, but he most likely will be available for that Champions League game against uh, Napoli, so that's kind of good news. But yeah, as you said, it's been unlucky, because let's not forget that the last time Griezmann missed more than a game because of an injury is back in 2012, eight years ago, so just come to imagine, you know. Uh, Griezmann's not a guy who's used to getting injured, and he's also not a guy who's used to having a tough time in his team, and he came here with, with high hopes, but but hasn't been fortunate enough. Things haven't worked out as well as he'd hoped for. And I mean, he's such a good player, but just something hasn't clicked. And hopefully next year he'll fit into the system much better. He'll uh, finally adapt fully to the team. But at the moment, it's been a very complicated year for Griezmann. Yeah, honestly, that's one of the things I think is underrated about Griezmann is that he's consistently available. The whole 
best ability being availability sort of idea, but for the first time in a long time, he won't be. Anyway, thanks Roman, appreciated as always. We're going to move on to Griezmann's former club, the beginning of part two. That's coming up after this short pause. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome back to this episode of La Liga Lowdown. As we heard in part one, the title race is alive, just. The relegation battle too, as we'll hear later, but the race for the Champions League is done and dusted. Atletico Madrid and Sevilla are both on to 66 points, and that's enough to confirm their top four finishes. For Atletico Madrid, it's eight years in a row now of qualifying for the Champions League, and we're going to talk some more about that now with Jeremy Berrin of the Into the Calderon SB Nation site. The match that sealed this achievement was a 1-0 win over Real Betis and Jeremy, this game had a bit of everything. It finished 1-0 but it certainly wasn't dull, was it? Yeah, this one did have a bit of everything for Atletico, didn't it? And the hosts had to suffer quite a bit too, which I imagine made Diego Simeone even happier on full time. Two disallowed goals, one of which should not have been disallowed. A Mario Hermoso red card, which meant Atleti had to play with 10 men for 40 minutes. Diego Costa gets the winner from a set piece. A deliciously vintage moment, that. And Betis attempt 21 shots without scoring. A strange one, to be sure, but for this strange Atleti team, 
really no other way to clinch a place in next season's Champions League group stage. But mission accomplished. Objective achieved an eighth straight season of Champions League football coming up. And this has been a really impressive job from Simeone. As you just mentioned, it's another goal for Costa. That's 5-0 for the season. He had two before the break, three since the break, plus a couple of assists. Is there a reason why he's doing better since lockdown, or do you think it's just a coincidence? It's been interesting with Costa, but more so pleasantly surprising. Um, I'm very happy that this is as good as Costa's looked in the past year and a half, and he's been such a big boost to the team. And I think there are two reasons for this. It's not coincidence. The reporting as Atleti returned to training was that Costa was in the best shape, at least the best shape he had been in since his return to Madrid. And we've seen reporting like this before. Okay, great. But Costa actually looks to be in pretty good condition, doesn't he? The aggressiveness, the intensity are still there, but he's playing with purpose. He's running with purpose. He has more energy. He's not just coming on the pitch to bark at center backs and leave after 55 minutes without having done anything. No, he's coming up big in the big moments. The latest example being the 75th minute winner against Betis. And the five subs rule has also helped him. It's been very beneficial for him and for Cholo, who has been able to carefully manage his minutes, among others, and rotate more than he has in really several years. Costa has played eight games since play resumed. He has not played more than 80 minutes in any of them. And three goals, two assists in that span. He's been as important as anybody, including Llorente and Carrasco. Uh, it's been great to see he has been a, a big lift for this team. As we've explained, it's now eight years of Champions League qualification in a row. Can you put into words just how impressive that is? Here's how I can put eight straight seasons of Champions League football into context. Prior to Simeone's return on December 23rd, 2011, Atletico had qualified for the Champions League, the European Cup slash Champions League, eight times in its 108-year history. In Cholo's eight full seasons as Atletico's coach, eight top four finishes, eight top three finishes, rather. Legends do legendary things, and Cholo is a legend. What used to be incredible for Atletico has now become routine. It, it's become expected. It's become normal for Atleti to finish somewhere in the top three and qualify for the Champions League. It used to not be that way. For the vast majority of the club's history, it was the opposite. And what Simeone has done has, is bring relative stability in so much as a club like Atletico can be stable. He has brought consistency. Um, even though we tend to criticize Cholo at times for some stubbornness, uh, some lack of tactical variation, an inability to, you know, go to Espanol and win, or failure to beat Leganés and Celta at home, and and things of that nature. But every year, Atletico do enough. Not necessarily challenge Barcelona or Real Madrid in recent years, but doing enough to ensure that they're the best of the rest. And before Simeone's arrival, Atletico had never qualified for the European Cup slash Champions League more than back-to-back -back seasons. We're now going on eight straight seasons of this. And only a handful of other teams in Europe can say they've done the same. So it's pretty miraculous. And we can lose sight of this because we've been spoiled by Simeone's success. 
And what about this year in the Champions League? We had the weirdest draw ever on Friday where Atletico Madrid's tie was one of the few ones where we already know both teams. So we know they'll take on RB Leipzig in the quarters. How does that look to you? Well, I'm not getting too excited about this year's Champions League. Um, not yet. Partido a partido. We still have a month to go. But it's encouraging that all the other elite quote-unquote sides are on one side of the bracket. Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Manchester City, Juventus, they're all on one side. They could just beat the hell out of each other and only one of them will emerge uh, and advance to the final. Atletico are on the so-called weaker side of the bracket with Atalanta, PSG, and Leipzig. They drew Leipzig. Leipzig lost its best player earlier this month. Timo Werner leaving for Chelsea. Werner the anchor of that club, 28 league goals, a further four in the Champions League. Anything can happen in a single elimination game. Atleti could fall flat in Lisbon, but it's worth remembering they have unfinished business there. So dare to dream. That's what I'll say. Finally, you've got a new series about Thomas Partey on Into the Calderon. Can you tell us what that's all about? So our own Robbie Dunn over at Into the Calderon has started a three-part series on Thomas Party, analyzing what makes him so good, why he's so good at it, and in the event that he leaves next summer, uh, who could replace him? What a replacement could look like? And using data visualization, Robbie is going through a bunch of different midfielders, going through their characteristics, their qualities, how similar they are to Thomas. And his results so far have been fascinating, to say the least. So this is the first of a three-part series Robbie is working on. Recommended reading for sure over at Into the Calderon. Uh, It's fascinating stuff. Nice one. I look forward to reading that. Thank you, Jeremy. Now, as I mentioned, Sevilla have qualified for the Champions League again too. That's because Villarreal lost on Monday night, falling 2-1 to the hot and cold Real Sofidad, even if Santi Cazorla did add his 11th goal of the campaign. That result and Sevilla's fairly comfortable 2-0 win over Real Mallorca earned Monchi, Lopetegui and co. a ticket to the Champions League. It really wasn't a good night for Alex Pozo in the Sevilla versus Mallorca match. He's on loan in Mallorca from Sevilla and he conceded a penalty for handball in the first half. One of those ones where it really, really wasn't intentional. But by the letter of the law, his arm was in an unnatural position and Lucas Ocampos converted with a no-look penalty. Yes, a no-look penalty. Apparently that's a thing now. And we'll go back to that in a moment. Then Sevilla's second goal also came at the expense of Pozo. He failed to deal with a long pass forward from goalkeeper Bono, which allowed Yusuf in the CV to add a second. We're going to discuss this game and the Campos a bit now with Alex Brotherton, who last week wrote an article for the La Liga Lowdown website titled The Unconventional Rise of Lucas Ocampos. Alex, you've obviously been researching the man, the myth and the legend that is Ocampos. Of all that he's done, just how audacious was that no-look penalty kick? Well... Is there anything a Campos can't do at the moment? A week ago, he played the role of emergency goalkeeper and made a last gasp save in injury time in Sevilla's win against Abar. This week, he scored a no-look penalty. Just before half-time, he scored what is surely one of the coolest penalties of the season. He sauntered up to the ball, oozing with confidence, and as he struck the ball into the bottom left corner, he looked away to his right-hand side. It really was an outrageous penalty, 
and goes to show the confidence and swagger that he's playing with at the moment. Where does his season rank among all La Liga players? Is he in the discussion for the player of the season? Absolutely. Acampos has to be in contention for La Liga player of the season. Few players in Europe, never mind Spain, have contributed so significantly to their team's performance. In 31 league appearances this season, he scored 14 goals and provided three assists. Those 17 direct goal contributions account for almost a third of Sevilla's goals this season. He contributes so much to the team, both attacking and defensively, and has really excelled in Lopetegui's system. He's quick, skillful, and intelligent, and he's more than capable of mucking in and providing defensive cover for the wing-backs. He struggled for goals and consistency earlier in his career, but Campos has exploded onto the scene at the Ramon Sanchez-Pithuan. There's no doubt that without his ruthlessness this year, Sevilla would not be where they are now. It'll be interesting to see for how long, if at all, Sevilla are able to keep hold of him. The likes of Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund have already shown interest in him, so it could be a long, anxious summer for Sevilla fans. Sevilla's other Argentine, Ever Banega, has been key to the recent turnaround in Form 2. How good has he been? He's been exceptional the last few weeks, hasn't he? He might not have featured as much as he would have liked in the first few games after La Liga returned, but he's grown back into the team and proved his quality. His performance in the Matchday 35 win against Athletic Club at San Mamés really stands out. Sevilla had fallen behind in a game they needed to win in order to tighten their grip on fourth place, and Benega provided the spark needed to turn things around. He curled a delicious free kick over the wall and beyond the reach of Unai Simon to level the score, before teeing up El Hadadi to head home with a beautifully weighted cross. Despite being 32 now, he's still a top, top player that can still provide those moments of magic he's become known for in Spain. He's such an experienced player that's played at the highest level for years now, so I think his leadership and know-how has really benefited this new-look Sevilla side. And how much are you going to miss Benega when he departs at the end of the season? I think fans of all the Liga clubs, myself included, are going to miss him greatly when he moves to Al-Shabaab in Saudi Arabia in a few weeks' time. I think he's one of those players that perhaps doesn't get the praise he deserves, as the stats don't really do him justice. In his deep-lying playmaker role, he doesn't appear on the score sheet too often or provide many assists, but it's his tireless work in the middle of the park that's made him one of La Liga's best. He's just one of those players that you watch and think, how does he make it look so easy? Whether it's pinging balls out to the flanks or getting stuck in in midfield battles, he does everything with a certain style and efficiency that's quite rare. Over two spells at Sevilla, the first from 2014 to 2016 and the second from 2017 until now, he's become a fan favourite. He played pivotal roles in the Europa League triumphs of 2015 and 2016, making the official squad of the tournament on both occasions. He'll be missed in Seville for sure. Finally, a word on Real Mallorca. This wasn't their best game, was it? Yeah, they really struggled to keep hold of the ball. And when you do that against a severe team that presses so relentlessly and has the quality to punish mistakes, you can't really expect to take anything away from the game. In fairness to them, you can't fault their effort and commitment. They look like a side that genuinely believes they can beat the drop. But unfortunately, as I said, the quality just wasn't there. They'll feel hard done by with the penalty, as Pozzo clearly didn't intend to handle the ball, but by the letter of the law, it was the correct call. 
They did have a couple of chances in the second half, but in the end they ran out of steam. The way the defence was caught out for N Naziri's goal by a long ball showed that. As Vicente Moreno said after the game, his side are going to fight to the end. But survival is out of their hands now. They're three points from safety with two games left, with tough games against Granada and Osasuna to come. Sadly, it looks like it's game over for Mallorca. Thanks, Alex. And as I mentioned, Alex's article on Lucas Ocampos is on LaLigaLowdown.com right now. Well worth checking out. So, the Real Mallorca loss does hurt their survival chances, but as our Real Mallorca expert Alex Fitzpatrick has been telling us these past few weeks, this wasn't the match that will end up defining their season. What's curious though is that Real Mallorca are now down to 19th because Leganes, who most of us assumed were dead and buried, are still alive. They managed to defeat Valencia over the weekend, scoring a penalty of their own and then seeing Pichu Cuellar save one from Danny Parejo. That Leganes 1-0 win over Valencia and Alaves' 0-0 draw with Hitafi and Celta Vigo's 2-1 loss to Osasuna means that the relegation situation is the following. Celta Vigo and Alaves are currently both on 36 points. Leganes and Real Mallorca are currently both on 32 points. And two of these sides must go down. It's as simple as that. Meanwhile, Ibar sealed their place in next season's top flight for a 2-0 win away at Espanyol. Keeping in mind that Ibar is a town of just 27,000 population, it's incredible that they keep staying in the top division year after year. Next year will be their seventh in the top flight. Absolutely incredible. And they achieved this win thanks to two Edu Exposito penalties, although the second one was actually saved before he scored from the rebound. And this has been the season of penalties. We've had 144 already over the course of the season, and that's already a record for a La Liga season. On Sunday, there were an incredible five penalties for handball across the four matches, two in Ibar's win at Espanyol, two in Leganese's win over Valencia, and one in Sevilla's win over Mallorca. The only match on Sunday without any penalties was Levante 1, Athletic Club 2, and even without scoring from the spot, Raul Garcia got both the Athletic goals to continue his excellent run of form. Six goals for him since the restart, and he's now closing down Gerard Moreno for the Zara Award, which goes to the top-scoring Spaniard. Raul Garcia is now just one goal behind him. We're going to conclude this episode now by discussing Raul Garcia's hometown club, Osasuna. They beat Celta Vigo 2-1 this weekend, winning in stoppage time, thanks to Jose Arnaiz and his first goal for the club. So let's look at that with the Osasuna fan. This is a relatively new account on Twitter, but well worth a follow for all sorts of Osasuna news in English and for a fan's perspective. It's at the underscore Osasuna underscore fan or Los Rojillo. And let's bring him in just now. So Osasuna already mathematically secured their survival even before the Celta Vigo win. Has the achievement of their first season back in La Liga maybe gone under the radar? A great first half of the season saw Osasuna challenging for a Europa League spot that eventually tailed off due to the loss of Chimi Avila. Another reason that the success of Osasuna in La Liga is other clubs' overriding success such as Hitafe or Granada that has seen Arasati's side fly under the radar. You mentioned Chimi Avila there. They've done a good job of coping with his absence since he went down injured. What has Arasati done to cope with that loss? 
since the loss of Jimmy Avila, Osunam have been in the best of form in front of goal, especially going into that break. It looked as if Osunam might get dragged into a last-minute relegation fight here. Whereas since the break, it seems as if goal scoring hasn't necessarily been a problem with Enric Gallego chipping him with three goals and Ruben Garcia getting uh, two goals over Eber. Gallego's 96th minute winner will obviously be a highlight of the season for me. Jakub Arisati seems to have fixed this problem for the time being, but we'll definitely need to look into another striker in the summer. Jose Arnaiz has been a useful player and just got his first goal. Does it surprise you that Leganes let him come to Osasuna on loan in January? Well, now it seems as if it was a good signing by Osasuna, but at the time it seemed as if we were signing somebody that couldn't necessarily get into that Leganes team. When we signed our Nath, the Leganes team had Martin Braithwaite up front, and since then he's left and gone on to play at Barcelona. But now our Nath seems to be really fitting in at Osasuna and playing really well in that second striker role, just behind either Gallego or Adrian Lopez. But in conclusion, when he signed, it wasn't necessarily something that I would say was a massive surprise. But now it seems why have Leganes let him go? I'm really not sure on that. Lastly, there were special San Fermin shirts for Osasuna this weekend. Can you explain why they did that? The San Fermin Festival, which sadly was cancelled but expectedly due to coronavirus this year. But Osasuna felt like they had to give something back for the recognition that it had given Pamplona and Nevada and the international presence of the festival. And this is the first time since the Civil War that the festival could not be held. So in a way, Osasuna have given this shirt to the city and to the people of Pamplona. And you can definitely expect me to be online tomorrow morning trying to get that San Fermin shirt. Well, I hope you managed to secure one. They looked really class. Thanks for the insight there and thanks also to all the other contributors to this episode. That's Hassan Karim, Roman de Arker, Jeremy Berrin and Alex Brotherton. We'll be back with our next podcast coming out on Friday morning just after Match Day 37, the penultimate round of the season. So I hope you'll join us again then. In the meantime, thanks for listening to this episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 